Howdy folks, this is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Slave the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that in the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. Well, a couple of, couple of weeks later, I got a horse in. and Anyway, I put it in the round pen, and I had about 30 days, you know. Uh, anybody that breaks horses, you know, they're like, okay, in 30 days, we're going to hope that he doesn't buck anybody off. Of course, you know, the people that pay you to ride a horse in 30 days, they want that finished cutting horse that's going to win the national championships in 30 days. And so there's a little bit of information gap there. But anyway, I got it in there and I got it started and I had my, my flag stick out with my equine terrification device on the end of it and I was making it go this way and making it go this way and I started rubbing on it. Of course, I live way out in the middle of nowhere, but you still look around. <laughs> so I started whispering to it like that guy did. I was like, it's okay, you want to be good, don't you? Ears pinned back, just looking at me. If horses could talk, they would be like, no, not really. I'm waiting to just stomp the crap out of you. <laughs> Go ahead, get on. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. You're good. You're a good horse. Positive reinforcement, that's what that's called. You're a good horse. I jumped once and it kicked me real hard. <laughs> that didn't happen on that video. I didn't hit the horse, but I swung an equine terrification device like it was a Darth Vader lightsaber. I ended up holding it in the middle like those double-wielded ones, chasing him around. He turned his butt to me and tried to kick me again, so I whacked him in the hawk. So anyway, we finally got back over there, and I knew my 20 minutes was up like two and a half hours ago. So I got him calmed down, and I kind of... Jumped. <laughs> Nothing happened, so I got back over there and I did like this and I rubbed on him, talking real nice. Yeah, you're a sweet horse. You kick me again, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Good boy. Good boy. His ears were pinned back looking at me. I'm like, I must be doing something wrong. So anyway, I jumped again and nothing happened. I was like, well, hey. Maybe there's something to this. One thing that I forgot to mention was this, this horse that this guy was using was about this tall. This horse that I was doing was about this tall. You don't just hop up there. And so I got up there and I was rubbing on him on both sides and we got going pretty good and everything and I kind of laid on him and nothing happened. Well, I mean his ears were still pinned back and everything. I laid on him. And I was like, no guts, no glory. <laughs> you look around to make sure nobody's looking. <laughs> the dog's over there going, you're an idiot. <laughs> so I get ready. And I'm like, this is easy, man. I'm young. Cowboy. So I jump real hard and I knee right in the ribs. <laughs> And I reach over and I grab a hold of some skin 
And I tried to pull myself up, and that's whenever he decided that I was a mountain lion. <laughs> and I kind of got over. And, you know, you, you learn in horsemanship that they give to pressure. Well, when you put a lot of knee pressure into this side, and I should have jumped from, like, you know, put the fence behind me, but I'm not that smart. I was jumping towards the fence. And so I got up and over, just like that guy said, and that horse shied and ran my head right into the corrals. But luckily it was between the brace. You know, they got those, those bars that go down like this and everything. Well, I went right in there. It didn't hit my head. I mean, I was like, you know, I'm not that big of a guy, and so it wasn't hard to fit through a deal like this. And so my head went in, and I was like, oh, crap, like that. <laughs> And I tried to tell him, whoa, but he didn't speak whoa. He thought I said, go. And so anyway, I'm over like this, and I got my head between that corral, and that horse starts to run off. You can be peeled off of a horse by your left ear. I kicked him in the head as I went by just to show him who was boss. There are... No shortcuts. It took me nine weeks to get that horse going. He was so dadgum scared and I was too. Last week we talked about Matthew 6, 33. We talked about seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God, last week we talked about how we uh, seek the kingdom of me, and we talked about what that looks like. Where you live, and I said last week, it was two weeks ago, um, but you know, we talk about how living on emotions and what we think and our opinions and all of this stuff is just, just makes it all about us. We try to make Christianity, instead of being about God, it's about us and how we feel and what we think and what our opinions are. This week we talk about another kingdom that we often seek first instead of the kingdom of God. And that's the kingdom of easy. The kingdom of easy has three things that we constantly strive for. We become Christians in name only. Now we might sit in a church building or, or an ag building or maybe in our homes or, or driving down the, the, the road listening on the radio and say, you know what, yeah, I want to be a Christian and everything like that. But the first thing that we do instead of seeking God first is we seek easy gratification. Don't we live in an instant gratification type of world? I mean, we get down there and man, we are pumped up. We are what we think is spirit-filled and we are on fire and we get down and we pray that prayer. And then after that prayer, you're like, you kind of look around like, okay, is it answered? Ah, oh, it must be answered, because God said, if you ask, you shall receive. And boy, I asked for this, and, and I can't wait for that to happen. And then you go to work the next day, and your boss is still a jerk. And you're like, well, wait a minute, I prayed that, that, that a piano would fall on this fella. Maybe he didn't have a piano. Whatever he had, you like that song? I'll pray for you, I pray a dun-dun-dun. I don't know if you've heard that song, but anyway, it's pretty funny. We're going to play that at church. But you know what? When you say a prayer, prayers are not some magical incantation 
that if you pray it just right and you get the words just right, that your prayers are just going to be answered like that. It doesn't work that way. It's not a hocus pocus. There is no magic book of prayer. If you pray this way, everything will happen. It just doesn't work like that. But we are an instant gratification society. I mean, just look at the commercials. There are commercials on TV that, boy, they have the most, you know, biggest guy and, or the most beautiful woman and shit. If you buy this product, you can look like me. I'm like, I look that good in a Speedo already, baby. I don't need that product. My wife says, I just got a little throw up in my mouth. She's wiping her tongue off. But you know what? They're just like that horse. I mean, you can sit there, God, you are so good. I love you, God. And there is no such thing as a God whisperer. But that's what we try to do when we pray. We're like, oh God, you know, if I just say the right words and I say all the loving words and everything, I'll get what I want, and you'll do exactly like I tell you to do. Man, it doesn't work like that. Easy gratification. I mean, if that's what you're looking for from Christianity, man, you've got a long wait. You've got a long wait. You know, people just think that whenever you become a Christian, it says, um, you know, that all of our problems will disappear. You have preachers on TV saying, you know, if you will do this, if you'll give this much money, or you will do this, if you will read your Bible every day, that all of your problems will disappear. The only thing that needs to disappear is you need to change the channel. Because that don't work. Your problems aren't going to disappear. And your prayers will get answered. They just might not get answered in the way that you think they need to get answered. Some people think that... G you remember those OxyClean commercials? You know... All you got to do is just put a scoop of this in this and spray it on there and look, and everybody goes, ooh, you know. Man, don't you just want to go in there with a hot shot sometimes and when those people act like idiots and they got their eyes wide and they're looking at their neighbor like, I can't believe that just happened, you stick it right there and just pull the trigger. <laughs> You're stupid. Don't believe that. If they try to throw you out, you zap them too. But God, you know, Jesus wasn't an oxy, a, a godly oxy clean pitch man. All you got to do, folks, is come on up, come on up, just come to know God, eat of the bread of life, and the you'll never be thirsty, and you'll never hunger again, and you'll never have problems, but you will have eternal life. Just come on up. Who wants to sign up first? That wasn't Jesus. Come on. We live in not seeking first the kingdom of God, but we seek first the kingdom of easy. We want things just to be smooth sailing, you know, and uh, you know, a lot of people say, I heard a guy say one time, I ain't never been bucked off. And I'll go, well, you ain't rode very much. <laughs> and your Christian walk is the same thing. You're going to be a Christian and you're going to go through problems just like anybody else. But the difference is God says you don't have to do it on your own. I'll be there with you. Lean on me instead of leaning on yourself because I'm the only one that can get you through it. God never said that if you get in a wreck that He was just going to... You know, we get ourselves in a wreck and He's going to just come in, whoop in and swoop in and save us. 
Now, he'll do that from death, but you know, you stick your finger in a light socket or you take that, that hot shot and go, I wonder if this has batteries in it. And you stick it up against your leg. Of course, we'd never do that. We'd stick it up against our kid's leg. <laughs> this is going to hurt you worse than it hurts me. <laughs> My dad did the same thing, so quit whining. We're going to start selling hot shots in the back just so, you know, it's going to be our next, our next fundraiser. Without batteries, because I know what would happen. With <laughs> I know the first thing that happens is somebody like, yeah, free turkey! But we seek easy gratification, instant gratification. I, what's that, that JG, JG went stupid, uh, it's my money and I need it now. You know, that's the world we live in. We're always seeking that easy, greasy, Japanesey type deal that, you know, we're just going to, everything's going to be okay. Let's just follow God. That'll make all your problems disappear. No, it doesn't. We also seek easy decisions. How many times do you come up to a fork in the road and you go, I know that I'm probably supposed to go that way, but whew, that trail looks pretty tough. But that one right there is just paved, and it's got a McDonald's on it, so we're going to go that way. Let's walk down the McDonald's. I mean, there's McDonald's, there's Burger King, there's, well, Papa Do's. That's a different story, but... Um, when you're faced with a, with a decision, you know, how many times have we looked at two jobs and chosen the one just because you make more money. Now, there's nothing wrong with making more money. I mean, I think that, you know, if you work hard and everything like that, you, you should make more money. But if you, ba I've talked to so many people that the only thing they base a job on is how much money they're going to make. Well, what are you going to be doing? I'm going to be cleaning doo-doo out of porta potties but I'm going to get paid a thousand bucks an hour. You tell me how that works out for you. I had a buddy that, that, you know, in the oil field of West Texas, Shane got a, a great big dose of that this weekend, or didn't you, Shane? And, um, you know, people, they go to that oil field and everything, and boy, you can make good money seven days on, seven days off, you're going to be doing this and that, and then they come back and they're missing like two fingers. Like, well, was it worth it? Well, no, because I made a lot of money, but all that did was get me uh, a new truck and everything that I can't pay for now, and I'll never get my fingers back. You shouldn't chase jobs just because of the money. I'm not saying that you can't take a job that pays more if it's something that you like to do and it's what God's leading you to do. But don't ever just strive after money. That will get you in a wreck faster than anything. How about bigger houses or bigger horse trailers? You know, I mean, I always joke about a living-quartered horse trailer. You know, I, I don't even know that I really want one because if I had one, my wife would probably just use it as a, as a storage closet probably wouldn't have the money to pull it down the hill. But bigger doesn't necessarily mean better. I mean, just striving after toys and stuff like that, making decisions based upon things that, that you think will be popular. I remember whenever I bought my first truck, it was a used truck, and it was the first truck that I had bought completely on my own, no cosigner, no nothing. It was, a, it was a white pickup, and it had really dark tinted windows. And I pulled out of that dealership, and I thought, and I was single at the time, living in Lubbock, Texas, and I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to put a bed cover on this because I look so dead gum cool in this thing right here. The girls are just going to jump in the back of the pickup. Somebody might fall out. 
So I pull up to a red light, and, you know, Texas Tech, there's lots of pretty girls, and there was these girls sitting in this uh, convertible deal, and they were looking all cute. They had the bows in their hair. And I was looking at them like, hey, what's up? And they're like, Pfft. All right, wait, wait, something's wrong with this truck. I've got to take it back. They didn't jump in the back. But we don't need to make decisions based upon what we think is going to be, make us popular. Which one will gain me the most status? What will people think? I'm going to do this, not because it's what God wants me to do, but because I think that people will think more highly of me. And I'll be able to walk around and be influential. And everything. What you're probably going to end up doing is just being broke. Which one will gain me more power? I remember whenever I used to be the boss, or I used to want to be the boss. Does that make sense? I used to want to be the boss. That's proper grammar in West Texas. And anymore, after doing Save the Cowboy and everything like that, the last thing I want to do is make a decision anymore. When I go work cattle, they're like, what do you think we should do? I was like, I don't care, man. You just tell me what to do. I just want to do something that somebody else tells me to do. You know, we shouldn't strive after power just so that we can boss somebody around because I guarantee you, anybody that's a boss, there's a lot of stress and stuff that comes with that position. It's not always what it cracks up to be. We live in an instant gratification type of society. We constantly look at decisions in our life and we think, which one's going to make it the easiest? I'm not going to choose which way God wants me to go. I'm going to choose which one will be easiest right now. But I promise you, you get a little ways down that, that road right there, and it turns out to be a lot rougher than what you thought it would be. And the last one is easy excuses. How many times have you seen somebody that, I mean, they do something and... Um, the, I mean, it is the greatest idea that they have ever had. I mean, they go around bragging, and I, I know that none of y'all have done this, but you go around bragging about what, you know, I'm going to do this, and this is such great, and then whenever they get down that easy decision road, that instant gratification road, when things start going bad, they go, well, and they start blaming other people. Well, that wasn't my fault. And they start trying to blame everybody but their own decision. We've all been there in certain situations. But you know what most people do? And this is especially... And, and No, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say it's especially true of Christians, but it's not. I think that the lost are, are the same way. How many times do we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? And I'll talk about both, but we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and then the first time something happens, who do we blame? God. Why is God letting this happen to me? What is God doing to me? God's like, I didn't do nothing to you. You stuck that hot shot on your leg and you pushed the button, you moron. Don't come crying to me because it shocked you. You said you would protect me. Well, I can't protect you from your own stupidity. But it happens. We blame God for everything. We forget to thank Him for the, the day, the, the moisture. We forget to thank Him. You know, if we thanked God for each and every breath we took, we would never have time to do anything else. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I mean, we should thank God. 
But we don't thank God for each and every little thing that happens. But boy, the first time something goes wrong, the first thing that we ask God is, why are you letting this happen to me? Well, you're being dumb. I didn't tell you to jump on that horse and stick your head through the bars. I can't, you know, I mean... Sometimes we've got to go through the consequences to learn a lesson because if God just, if you hit that deal every single time and nothing happened to you, eventually it's going to get you in a wreck. God allows consequences to happen so that it'll get through our, our numb skulls, thick skulls, gray skull, He Man. Okay. We live in an instant gratification. We do that with the decisions that we make. We are instantly want to blame other people, blame situations, blame everything for the result that we're in, unless everything's going good and they're like, you see everything good I'm doing? I, yeah, <laughs> great. You know, we forget to thank God for that. In Hebrews chapter 12, 11 through 13, in verse 11, the writer of Hebrews says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, and, and discipline can be two things. I mean, you can discipline somebody, but at the same time, if you're training for a marathon or you're training for a horse show or you're training a horse, there's a discipline involved where you have to do the same thing over and over and over. And the quicker you learn from the mistakes that you make, the easier that path becomes. There are no shortcuts. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Man, the other day, we got an, one of those Xbox 360s, and there's a deal called Nike Connect Trainer, and it's got this little bar deal on there that can look at you, and when you do this on the screen, you see yourself do this on the screen and stuff like that, and it was a training regimen, and I, I ordered that thing so that, so that I could get in shape. There is not enough inhaler in the entire world to save you when you're out of shape. I got up there and I, I mean, I was thinking, man, I'll do this. And it was a great idea till it started. They said, okay, we're going to warm up with high knees. And I was like, all right. So I started doing my high knees and everything. And it can see you. And it was like, you got to go faster. I was like, what? Okay, so I started running and everything, and I watched the next hour and a half of it, trying to breathe. They were like, okay, we're warmed up now, and I'm like, we're dead now, you stupid. Can't that computer see that I'm out of shape? Turn that thing off. Put it on Duck Dynasty. That'll make me feel better. I'm going to invite Cy to church. Hey, before you shut that knob off, let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling. All of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. <laughs> okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. 
It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else.